0: The end is near I know, I know. Seems like a strange way to start a Monday morning. Good morning, I'm Carmen LaBurge listening to Mornings with Carmen. The end is near. That is the that's the beginning phrase of our growing your faith verse of the day from first Peter chapter four verses seven and eight. The end of the world is coming soon. That is Peter's broadcast announcement. The end is near. He then goes on to say, Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, let's just pause there for a second. Are you earnest and disciplined in your prayers? Have you even thought about those two words applying to your prayer life, earnest and disciplined? It's a good conversation to have with yourself today. Um, Peter goes on, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. I want to spend most of our time here um, in, in this Part of our conversation today, just on that very last part, what does it mean for love to cover a multitude of sins? I think it's important to remember to whom Peter is speaking here. So this is Christians about their relationships with other Christians. Continue to show deep love for each other. Peter is talking here to Christians about their relationships with other Christians. And so, what does it look like? First of all, to show deep love for each other, that's the starting point, and then to continue to show deep love for each other. Um, For love, because love covers a multitude of sins, what does that mean? Um, Certainly you and I are not one another's sin covering. (laughs) Like No chance, no way, no how. So what is Peter talking about? Um, In light of the fact that time is short, the end of the world is coming soon. In light of the fact that time is short, no matter how long life persists, it's still short. Um, extremely short by compared to eternity. So um, so what does it look like to live in these days? You know, time is short. Time to declare the gospel is short. Time to demonstrate um, the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of the earth. That Our opportunity to do that is short, short-lived. So we're going to be earnest and disciplined in our prayers. We are going to pray in a disciplined way, and we're going to do so earnestly, And we're going to continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. So whose love is it that covers sin? And you say to yourself, well, that one is easy, Jesus. What does it mean for sin to even need a covering? Well, left exposed, the wages of sin is death. And so we have to have a covering. We need somebody to cover that charge. Think here for a moment about a cover charge. There's a place that you want to enter, um, and it's got a cover charge. Well, who's going to pay that? The cover charge is what you pay to gain access to an event or a person or a party. The cover charge is what has to be paid in order for you to get in. So when a benefactor says, hey, I've got you covered, they're saying, I will pay the fee for you to get in. So your sin is covered. You have a covering. You're not. You're, your sin is no longer exposed, you are no longer exposed in your sin if, in fact, you are in Christ. Without Christ, your sin is not covered. And that's uh, the truth of the gospel. When Peter says the end is near, pray earnestly um, and in a disciplined way. And then when he talks about the sin covering, he's, he's wrapping up the gospel message in just a few couple of verses, a few short verses. So, love, specifically the love of God in Christ Jesus, the love that we call grace, that's the cover. The wages of sin is death, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God, in His love, has covered it. He's got you covered. It's all covered in His love, poured out in the person and the work, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, if you are in Christ... You are covered by Christ's love. All your sins, the multitude of them, covered. And then you in turn, me in turn, we in turn, as agents of Christ's grace in the world today, as ministers of his reconciling love, as conduits and representatives of the love of God to others, well, his love flowing through you, his love flowing through me works in the same way. Those who are covered in Christ, we love differently than the world loves. We do not only, those, only love those who love us. We love those who sin against us. Who does that sound like? Well, that sounds like Jesus. Well, that's the point. <laughs> his love has covered the multitude of your sins, and in turn, his love flowing through you covers the multitude of sins that abound in and between us as Christians in the world today. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and covered our sin with the flesh and blood of his Son. So when Peter says that love covers a multitude of sins, he's acknowledging the sins that he committed against Jesus. Who knows better than Peter the multitude of sins covered by Jesus' love? Who then are we to withhold love when others? sin against us. So this is called operating out, uh, operating out of the opposite spirit. The spirit of the world stirs up strife. You would gather that from verses like Proverbs ten twelve. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. That's really close to what Peter says, that love covers a multitude of sins. So the contrast is between hatred and love. Hatred stirs up, love covers. Um, Hatred stirs up strife. It looks for and points out and amplifies and posts and mocks as many of a person's flaws as possible. You know how that feels. You know what what it looks like. You know when you've done it, the stirring up of of negative things. Love does the opposite. Love draws attention away from the one whose sin has been exposed. Love covers the woman caught in adultery by writing in the sand. Love covers sin. Hatred stirs it up. There are hundreds of things that people say and do that are offensive, selfish, prideful, off color, and they need to be dealt with, but quietly, kindly, privately. Maybe that's what Paul is getting out in Galatians 6.1, where he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, then you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted to sin. So. Don't blow a trumpet or post a person's transgressions all over social media. Do your best to bring about repentance quietly, personally. If there's an opportunity to live peaceably and do so in a way that's loving in the spirit of First um, Corinthians 13, then let's live like that. We also see this covering work in Colossians chapter 3, where Paul says to believers, bear with one another. And if you've got a complaint against each other, forgive each other in the same way that the Lord has forgiven you. People have offended me, hurt me, irritated me, and I have offended people, hurt people, irritated people. But how do we demonstrate Christ in those relationships? We choose not to retaliate. I cover your offense or hurt with the same love with which God has loved me in Christ Jesus, and you cover my offense with the same love with which God has loved you in Christ Jesus. And in that love, his love, the multitude of sins is covered and the gospel is freshly proclaimed. We're going to talk next with our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share about the importance of thankfulness and gratitude. For our spiritual formation. This is the month of Thanksgiving, so let's be talking about giving thanks. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Joining us again today, our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share. You can find great discipleship resources at lionshare.org. Good morning, Dave.
2: Good morning, Carmen.
0: I thought we would talk today about thanksgiving, but kind of in the spirit of living every day as a day of thanksgiving as we Mm. walk as disciples of Jesus. So can you just roam around in the theme of thankfulness and gratitude?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I sure can. So, you know, it's, there's a couple of portions of scriptures for me. I, I like in Psalm 100, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving And, you know, so in other words, in our whole presentation of coming into the Lord with worship and praise and all that, we're to to begin with gratitude. And I think more and more as we hear people, even those that don't follow Jesus, a lot of people are talking about cultivating gratitude and how it affects your perspective on life. It affects your attitude. It affects how you um, can have peace throughout a day. So there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff there. I, I also, for me, a very personal uh, part of this is out of First Thessalonians five, where it says, "In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." Like it's like it makes it really clear. It's God's will that I give thanks in everything. And mm. uh, early on in my when I was nineteen, my brother Tom ended up in a diabetic, like near diabetic coma state. And I was, he was 17, I was 19. We were in Kona, Hawaii, we are missionaries, um, just the two of us. And I remember being in the hospital, kind of in the waiting areas, they were helping Tom and applying that. It says in everything, give thanks. And so I, as a 19 year old young man, I was trying to sit there and go, how do I give thanks in this? And I realized it wasn't being thankful for the situation I was in. It was being thankful for the Lord in the midst of the situation and who he was and what he could do and how he could and did come through for Tom. And that caused a bubbling up of thanksgiving and gratitude that overflowed from my heart um, that I needed in that time. So in everything, give thanks.
0: I appreciate, um, first of all, you sharing that personal moment of connectivity I mean you know you are in a, a time an experience during which we wouldn't just naturally be led to you know be singing songs of Thanksgiving yeah. um, but the word of God returned to you in that moment so there is a part yeah. of this of knowing God's word and knowing God's character that matters a whole lot
2: yeah it's absolutely true and and for me I it's like my go-to place, Carmen, when things feel like I I like to use the word goofy. Things are just feeling goofy. There's something's out of line. What you expected to happen isn't happening. I like to retreat for a moment into that place of gratitude and worship. And it it is based on God's character because my circumstances are telling me, you know, this doesn't look good. This isn't going to play out well. Like, what's the ramifications of this for people involved or myself or my family or whatever? And I've realized that it's great to step back and gain perspective. And when I do that, gratitude, okay, what am I thankful for here? It changes my paradigm. And then my worshiping gets my eyes where they need to be, realizing this is the maker of heaven and earth. This is the one who, with a snap of a finger, can move on my behalf. This is the one who's got surprises up his sleeves that I didn't even think about. And it levels the playing field for me to be able to step into those kind of moments.
0: That's so good. Um, Psalm 100, which you made reference to, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs hmm. of thanksgiving. Like, right, hmm. that's the thanksgiving part. Yeah. Know that the Lord is is God it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. As soon as I hear sheep of his pasture, like my heart and mind goes to the 23rd Psalm and 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 goes to the Gospel of John, where Jesus talks about um, himself and me as shepherd and sheep. Um, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There there are ways to enter into passages of Scripture that transport us. I mean, maybe transport is the wrong word, but they move us from the circumstance or the moment we are in to a reality that is much bigger and eternal and true.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and it's, you know, it's that Elisha story, right, where the servant walks out the door and he sees them surrounded by, you know, the military and he goes back in, he's freaking out and Elisha says, hey, Lord, would you open up his eyes so he can see. And when he goes and looks again, he sees surrounding them tens of thousands of chariots of fire. And it's that. It's that kind of perspective. And I, I do wish, I wish you and I could come up with a, a plan on how to have those kind of glasses. Could you imagine? You could just hand those out and say, hey, look through this. It'll make everything better, <laughs> you know? But it's like, for me, one of those passages, like the, the go-to go-to for me is that Revelation chapter four and five, where we get a, a glimpse of what's happening now in heaven. And of course, we'll be joined to that one day, but where they're looking at God and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're, they're bowing down in worship because his presence, his character, who he is, is so awesome that they can't help but do that. And that's where for me, worship, worship is one of those places if I can go back to, it sets my eyes right and then allows me to have gratitude.
0: When you hear Dave say worship, what comes to mind? Um, do you understand that to be something that you enter into personally in a moment with God? Um, or does that have to be something organized by some group of people with some performance up front and you're participating? Like when Dave says worship, how do you understand that? When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about personal worship. We're going to talk about the role of the Word of God um, in our personal worship and how it is that we enter His gates with thanksgiving. How do you enter the courts of God with praise? How do you give thanks to God and praise His name? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge, and we'll be right back. I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together, and I wanted to let you know that all of the studies that we've done are still available. Maybe you're looking for another Bible study for either you or for a group. We have free studies available over at MyFaithRadio.com. We have a study on Daniel, the first six chapters. We have a study on the Gospel of Luke, on Acts, First Peter, Second Timothy. You can find out all the information. You can get the free study guides over at MyFaithRadio.com. And don't forget about Reading the Bible Together podcast. You can also check out the accompanying podcasts that go with each of those episodes. So if you're looking for a new Bible study, you can check out our Reading the Bible Together resource page. You can find that at myfaithradio.com. Continuing our conversation with our friend Dave Buring from Lion Share, our our theme today is Thanksgiving or having a heart of gratitude and Living responsively to the reality of each and every day, each and every moment, giving thanks to God for He is good, His steadfast love endures forever. Um, we've been keying a little bit off of Psalm 100 in our conversation, and Dave, when you talk about worship, when you use that term, you mean something um that you enter into pretty easily. <laughs> It's not you're not waiting around for 11 a.m. on Sunday morning for some scheduled event at some particular place. Can you can you talk with us a little bit about when you use the term worship in the way that you did just a moment ago, what, what you actually mean and how that happens?
2: Yes, but I will tell you that I tease our worship teams on Sunday morning, like if I'm coming up to speak, it's my turn to speak, and they've just finished an awesome time of worship. I always tease them and say, hey, could you guys just kind of Quietly come into my bedroom around 5 30 in the morning and kind of help me start my day ah! with you know, <laughs> so so they have said to me, beware. <laughs> so that's right, beware. that's be the beauty of radio.
0: That that yeah, right there is the beauty right. of radio. Yes. That's
2: exactly right. That's right. Yeah, for me, Carmen, worship um it's one of those places that and I still, you know, I'm not an expert on this at all, but I still try to turn my heart. Towards worship, and I want to be able to know that I can do it fairly quickly, because of the life that you know we live. There's challenges. There's unexpected things that come our way, and worship is is at its core. It's really our love expressions to God. It's it's not me waiting around for somebody to organize something, or, or I need somebody that can play the guitar or the keyboard. It's 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 an attitude of heart and. It is driven for me by the character of God. And, you know, I realize, like, this is just being really kind of simple with it, but do I really need to be dependent on somebody to get my heart in a place to worship God when I just wake up every day knowing the blood of Jesus has been shed for me on the cross? Therefore, I'm his son. I'm spending eternity with him, and I get the privilege of representing him and his kingdom on earth. Like, do I really need other motivation? And and it causes me to, when I pause to think about that, my answer is no. I, I don't need somebody to jumpstart my worship. What he's done for me, if I just pause to consider that, that's enough. And and you know, to be honest, Carmen, part of it for me, like being real practical, I um I have on my iPhone on my iPad, in my iTunes account, I have um, three different sets of worship that each probably has 20-ish to 25 songs. One is called Worship Intimacy, where it's more songs that let me have tender worship with God. There's Worship Celebration, which is more if I just need, okay, I need to just kind of get out of this funk and get into a place of worshiping. And then I've got Worship Warfare, so if I'm dealing with hard stuff it lets me hear songs that reminds me of his greatness and how he you know he is our warrior and and so I can stick my headsets on and I know you know if you got 20 25 songs you're you're good for about an hour and a half if you need to you know and and but usually for me it's about a half hour and sometimes a little bit longer of just kind of getting there to that place where things are once again leveled out so that I can out of that place of worship now live my life.
0: The role of music um, is significant. So we've talked a little bit about the role of Scripture. We've talked about the role um, of just the attitude of the heart. So getting myself in a posture related to God and gaining, seeking His perspective on what is happening and anchoring myself in particular passages of Scripture. Um, This notion that there could be a playlist, right, um, Mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving if you were going to have a Thanksgiving playlist, is that maybe in part the, cel- well, is it, could you derive songs from all of these, the intimacy, the celebration yes. and the warfare playlist yes, in the, in sure. the Thanksgiving? Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, you know, there's just su- certain songs that kind of set your heart. You know, I, I like, I go back to one of a. it's a really old one, but give thanks with a grateful heart, Amen. you know, that, that is, that is huge. Um. You know, but yeah, there's a lot and I like a lot of the current songs too that that have good sound biblical theology to it that lifts us to where, you know, where we need to be. And so, yeah, I've not done it this way, but I would think if you go into some of those places where you're getting your music and you type in, you know, giving thanks or Thanksgiving or those kinds of things, I bet you there'd be a whole lot of songs. I just go, oh, yeah, I forgot that that's in the chorus, you know, so. Yeah, but the songs that I have absolutely, and they and they always steer you towards awe. They steer you towards bubbling up with gratitude for things that I didn't deserve, but yet He's given me. And you know that perspective change shifts heart attitudes for me.
0: So um, I, Thanksgiving is uh, uh, is a delightful time to gather with other people. Um, we are a pie buffet family. Um, mm. There may be a buffet of other things, but there's there's a pie buffet, and so you can put little pieces of paper. This is an idea for everybody. This is super simple because <clears throat> you can do a slice of pie. This is the slice of pie opportunity. So you can just little pie shaped pieces of paper, scatter them around, um, put some put some markers out there, and what you are inviting people to do on that slice of pie is to write down the name of a Thanksgiving um, either a verse. Actually, they can write down a Thanksgiving verse or a Thanksgiving song, um, a mm. song that they want to sing, and then you actually create a pie, right? Put the little pie pieces together and make a pie, and as one of your Thanksgiving activities, you know, actually have people pull a slice of the pie and just do that together. Like, pull mm. it up on YouTube and play the song, or um, or have somebody open the Bible and read the verse Um because it gives us an opportunity to talk about Thanksgiving and put Thanksgiving in the context of who God is and who we are in relationship to him as opposed to just going around the circle and everybody saying they're thankful for their health which we are all thankful for but sometimes like we need a little nudge to get um to get the conversation maybe in the in the right spirit and maybe in the right perspective.
2: Mhm. Yeah, that's really good. And I think when you think about people in your life that you're thankful for a good way to consider that is to say what would what would my life be without them in it and mm-hmm. it causes you to realize um not only the emotional side of it but also the practical side of it and you know whether it's a piece of advice they gave or something they gave you that hey you know i wouldn't have that if or maybe the a door opened you know or you know, just kind of familiar things that are a little bit um, warm and fuzzy, you know, in our life. and Or it might have been a a loving word of rebuke that brought a correction that would have let you, you know, that rescued you, let me put it this way, rescued you from heading down a path that would have been really damaging, you know. And I think it's a kind of a backwards way into it, right? Because we can say, well, what were you thankful for? But also to just pause with people and say, if they weren't here in my life, what would I be missing? What would I not mm. have? And it's another way to see their value in our lives.
0: Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Um, all right. Uh, on Thanksgiving, do you have a favorite side item?
2: Yes, <clears throat> I. Um, and it's the only. It's the only day I I eat it. But it is um, <laughs> cranberries.
0: <gasps> really? That's it. You're you're a one day a year cranberry guy.
2: Yeah. You know, but it's the, it's the one cranberry salad.
0: Are you cranberry? Oh, you're it's out straight out of the can. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Cheryl, my wife is like when she makes our salad, she's a cranberry lady. And I just tell her, no, just kind of keep those off. I'm not a huge, but on Thanksgiving day (sighs) with a little (laughs) bit of, you know, um, turkey and the, the fun sweet potatoes and all that. It's so, and I think I might be, One of the only ones at our table when family's all over is the table about 18 that has it. So it's a special little moment for me.
0: (laughs) It's a whole can (laughs) of cranberry just for you.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't quite go that hog wild, but I do have a couple (laughs) of slices. And, but the big, the big thing I like on Thanksgiving is so Cheryl makes a awesome Dutch apple pie. And Mm. so that's, she makes it kind of from scratch and goes and it's her thing. And so, I'm looking forward to that.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for reflecting with us today on Thanksgiving. Thank you for giving us the, you know, the notion of like these anchor passages, these glimpses, passages of scripture that um, make us mindful of who God is and His presence, His character, His goodness, um, His ways. Thank you for um, the idea of a playlist. That's just beautiful. Um, yeah, and, um, and, and bless you. We are grateful for you. We give thanks to God for you this day.
2: Thank you, and I'm thankful for you.
0: That's our friend Dave Buring. Uh, you can find wonderful discipleship resources at lionshare.org. All right, what conversations are you trying to avoid these days? I mean, you probably actually have a list. I mean, it's a mental list. It's not like you've made a list list of, oh, avoid these conversations. But are you trying to avoid conversations about the upcoming presidential election? (laughs) Are you trying to avoid conversations about ballot measures on topics like, I don't know, marijuana or abortion? Are you trying to avoid conversations about what's being taught in public schools or who can use the girls' bathroom? What conversations are you actively trying to avoid? And then, like, Thanksgiving is coming. You're going to be sitting down at table fellowship with people who have other viewpoints on these things. So would Jesus avoid these conversations? Would Jesus avoid those people? We are all about Jesus, and Jesus is all about the conversations that people are avoiding. Avoiding with God, avoiding with themselves, avoiding with one another. So just consider all the conversations that Jesus had that we might try to avoid. Jesus had conversations about taxes, sex, money, family, and everything else under heaven. Jesus cares about all of it. So, we're going to talk with our friend Adam Carrington up next with a cu- about a couple of conversations that, well, some of us have probably been trying to avoid. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Adam Carrington is joining us from Hillsdale College. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: Whew, I'm well. I'm well. There are all kinds of conversations that people want to avoid. I was with a group of people over the weekend from all across the country celebrating my stepdad's 90th birthday. And I can tell you that at family gatherings, especially with, you know, when there's a diversity of people, ages and stages of life from all over the place, there are conversations that get avoided. And I want to talk about a couple of those now. So you and I are so, going to so, jump in.
1: So to make me the most popular person on the airwaves yes. uh, right yes. now. Uh, a- I, I, absolutely. I, yeah, I used to make this joke because I was both a politics and religion major in undergrad that <laughs> I, I I only studied the, the two things people didn't want to talk to each other about. So That's we exactly can jump right, right in.
0: Well, Thanksgiving is coming, so we got to get ready for the conversations that are going to be had, um, and we got to be ready to participate. So abortion. Um, Abortion actually um, proved to be quite popular among voters last Tuesday, uh, a week ago. So talk with us about not just what happened in Ohio, but let's start there Um, in some of the reddest counties in the country Um, that have heavily voted in the past um, for Republicans, Uh, they were overwhelmingly supportive of issue one, of placing uh, protections in the Constitution in the state of Ohio for women to access abortion.
1: Yes, and Ohio being the biggest one where, you know, uh, the last two uh, presidential elections, it's gone from a swing state to decidedly Republican, and that's continued at the every level of government at the Senate, the house, the, 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 uh, uh, you know, the other, uh, state legislatures mm-hmm. yet it, uh, the, this ballot initiative to basically amend the, 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 the state constitution to mimic Roe and Casey, uh, to kind of re reinstate them one by double digits by around 12, 13 points. So yes. Uh, so, so, and, and I think that shows, um, Uh, You know, uh, one, I think a messaging problem for the pro-life movement, I've written a little bit about this. I think we got very good at convincing judges to uh, go our way in legal arguments, but that's not the same as convincing regular voters of the importance of life and how to protect life or having the shrewdness of knowing how far you can go right now in a particular state or a particular part of the country to achieve pro-life legislation um and i think that the the deeper thing this is showing and yes you could expand this out to um uh the democratic governor of kentucky winning re-election very much running on abortion uh virginia the um uh, 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 The Republican governor, uh, Youngkin, not being able to get a Republican majority in the state legislature when he campaigned on a 15 week abortion ban. I I think it shows that there is been 50 to 60 years of broader cultural revolution in how we see uh, the unborn, how we see our, our our sexual lives. Uh, and 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 what we think are owed to, about them and that just overturning one Supreme Court decision as momentous as it was didn't undo that 50 60 years of of cultural distortion really cultural uh uh ingraining of of of, of sin and 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 of uh not having the the proper uh, view of justice toward what we owe to each other. And so I think that uh, these defeats uh, have been things that are are needing to make the pro-life movement both see um, some changes in rhetoric, potentially some changes in strategy, but also just see this as yet another uphill battle that was won in the courts and now needs to be won in a different way uh, uh, in, in in the culture as well.
0: Adam do do cultures like ours and maybe our culture specifically like t- once something has become a part of our lives do we ever go back like i mean i and i was you know this i feel like there's a an you know always a liberalizing trend in terms of um the the choices people make or the access that they want i guess i'm thinking here about the effort in the United States of America related to alcohol. Like at some point there was an effort to sort of go back um, and that, that didn't ultimately work.
1: Right. And I think that, uh, and obviously there's been parallels between abortion and slavery made, which did end, although uh, in, in a a cataclysmic way with a kind with a civil war. So I'm not claiming that's the great, precedent to look to for 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 growth or change. Um, You did have the civil rights movement, which certainly had some violence around it, especially done to people who were pushing for those reforms. uh, That was a change. Uh, I I think abortion and this is where I'm going to be both positive and negative at the same time. I think abortion is different in a more hopeful way than something like where we have gone with the institution of marriage um where i think you as you said this liberalizing tendency or i would call it a a greater and greater emphasis on uh the autonomous morality of the individual (laughs) the individual having a kind of autonomous morality uh that is not subject to god or society or other people um i i think uh, uh that's Right now, absent a kind of revival, is really going to be hard to undo. But abortion, I think, is a m- more hopeful because you can make a, a, a quote unquote liberal argument about it. Uh, and that is the dignity and, and, and rights uh, and, and life of another human being. Whereas I think the others, while I I, I think are are a problem and, and 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 not right, um, it's harder in our culture and society to make that argument. But I think the exposing of what abortion is is a little easier because even in our strive for individual autonomy and liberty. You can make an argument like that for the unborn child as well. So uh, that is one where I think it could be undone in a way where I'm much less hopeful about some other cultural and social changes because of some of the things you were saying.
0: You can make the argument. You can show the pictures. Obviously, at 15 weeks, we have a fully formed human being, very, very small, but totally fully formed and recognizable as a human being. That is true before 15 weeks. Um, I'm, I think that what happened in Virginia is probably of as great uh, of significance as anything else that happened of late um, because it is this clear indication that people don't want a 15-week ban. They don't. So I don't know that there is a line like I don't know that there is a willingness to say there's ever a point where, you know, we're gonna say no, no, that's a recognizable human being, and that recognizable human being has rights of their own. Instead, we do seem to have this. I, I think that you're um, you're pointing to a greater and greater emphasis on autonomous morality. That is excellent, excellent language. I have written it down. I'm going to repeat it. I don't, I don't think that. Once this autonomous morality has been achieved in some area, marijuana use, euthanasia, abortion, marriage d- definition, um, use of of drugs or alcohol, like once a person has determined, no, this is, you know, this is, quote unquote, my right, they they do have this sense that they've been freed from the authority of God and they don't want laws in, in our land that restrict them in ways they don't want to be restricted. That that is a um, that is a chaotic moral soup.
1: Yep, and and I think of two things from the Bible um, where you, you get to the complaint in the Book of Judges repeatedly that everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and that that becomes a kind of moral and societal chaos. And I think a thing we need to keep in mind with discussing this issue is. That it's not merely therefore intellectual. Uh, mm. if you go to Romans 1, that's the other point, a place I wanted to look to uh, I, I look to, where Paul says some of the sin problems that he's seeing around him and in culture and in society is not a problem of knowledge about God. It's not that they mm. don't know God exists, it's that they don't like it. <laughs> uh, they they suppress and reject it. And reject what comes with it, which is uh, obedience to and living a life uh, uh, in in loving relationship to God and others in that light. And um, I think as we are trying to sort of stir and reawaken consciences, we need to be aware that, yes, there is a part of us that will look at something and get all the evidence the other way and still say, no, uh, I want something different. And I think awakening consciences, not just giving convincing intellectual arguments is going to have to be part of this. And I think a uh, prayer is going to have to be part of this because I think you're right that this is playing into a natural, a natural post fall human desire for self and for, um, uh, uh, and for selfish gain, even at the expense of others. Mm. And I think that, um, a kind of moral and ultimately the moral has to be spiritual awakening is the thing we have to most pray for and that is it's no coincidence that the abolitionist movement uh the temperance movement the civil rights movement ultimately were had 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 christians the church at the center of the people making that those kind of arguments—that's no coincidence—and I don't think would be any coincidence today if this effort ends up being successful, as those were.
0: That's that's good. That's a good parallel. All right, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, uh, we're going to have another uh, conversation that some people have been trying to avoid, and that's the conversation about um, third-party movements or independent runs for. Uh, the presidency. We are in a presidential election cycle. You've been avoiding talking about it. I've been avoiding talking about it. But, you know, we can't avoid it forever. Uh, It's going to come up. This is actually the last Thanksgiving um, before the next presidential election. And so, yeah, it's going to come up. So we got to be prepared to talk about it. What are third parties good for? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. Time together as people of faith is so important, and together we can make a positive impact. So Faith Radio is ready to hit the road. Would your community be a good fit for a Faith Radio live event full of encouragement and togetherness that we can spur each other on toward love and good deeds? Nominate your community for a live Faith Radio event at MyFaithRadio.com, and I hope to get to see you soon. Hey, we're talking with our friend, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Um, Adam, here are three quick um, notes of interest related to the upcoming presidential election. Centrist Democrat Dean Phillips is running against current President Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination. Um, uh, RFK um, Junior. So Robert Kennedy Junior. is running in the Democrat was running in the Democratic primary, now running as an independent. He is polling higher than any independent or third-party candidate in a generation. So he's interesting. Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, not running for re-election in West Virginia, announced that he is going on a, quote, listening tour to see if the middle can be mobilized. He is a part of a third-party effort called No Labels. Uh, Jill Stein running green, you know, all kinds of third-party runs. What are third parties good for?
1: (laughs) Uh, I will say what they could potentially be good for uh, that is unlikely. And then what they have been good for mostly that I think is mostly useful or or can be useful regularly Um, there. We have had one instance where third parties replaced a major party that was in the 1850s when the Whig party that had existed for 30 or 40 years fell apart and was replaced eventually by the current Republican Party. Um, we, there, there is an outside chance, but it's a very small chance that a third party could win. And I think the closest that ever came was, uh, actually Ross Perot in 1992. If he had not dropped out and then gotten back in like he did, I think he was the closest to anyone actually winning as a third party. But those are so few and far between that they're not the most expected, And I think what third parties have served to do historically is to uh, awaken the major parties to where they are falling short, to jolt them out of their uh, set patterns, to make them listen to parts of the electorate that they've been not listening to, and force them to basically reform and adjust to make those third party voters come back in. So uh, if if people tell you that voting third party is a wasted vote, as I'm sure you'll hear if that's something you're considering, I would say if the whole goal is you have to have one, if you have to vote for the winning candidate in that election, yes, okay, it's a wasted vote. But historically, what third parties have helped to do is to long term make the major parties Wake up and be better versions of themselves and people voting for third parties have been the kind of wake up call that's 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 caused that to happen at certain points in the past uh, that I that I, I and so therefore I think that's what they're good for. Um, I don't think uh that our entire system is really set up in a way to make it so that third parties can regularly be successful. Uh I think we just have a system that for all sorts of reasons is 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 geared toward a, a two two party system.
0: Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think um I, I think they will be disruptive. I don't know that they will be um successful in their in their campaign um but it's definitely an interesting part of the conversation and I think for those of us who um see see good on um on both sides of the aisle and see bad on both sides of the aisle um and are exhausted part of maybe what we would call the exhausted middle it's at least an opportunity to bring forward a conversation with other people to say, well, okay, here, here are some things that I like about what this person is saying and the way that they're saying it. So um, we got to leave it right there. As always, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your perspective.
1: Oh, always. Uh, Thank you for having me. And I appreciate that this is a place where we can even have uncomfortable conversations, but do so as, as, as friends and fellow believers. It's uh, a very different atmosphere that I wish was, uh, I, I wish many more of you out there, uh, and and think what you're doing is very vital on this front.
0: You're so kind. I have a um, I have a homework assignment for you, professor.
1: Sure. So sure, I'll take one.
0: <laughs> New Jersey's former governor Jim McCreevey, um, is now re-entering politics. Some of us are old enough to remember when he bowed out. Um, I just feel like the landscape on the on the sexuality and marriage conversation has changed so dramatically in that period of time that he makes an interesting case study. So there you go. I'm passing that off to you.
1: And I remember that episode very vividly. I just had some flashbacks. Yep. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, there you go. Some homework. All right. That's our friend, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Um, We are almost out of time during hour one of Mornings with Carmen, but here's the good news. There's another hour that we get to spend together. So... Um, here are a couple of um, snacks to keep you chewing um, in the in the interim, in between. Um, do you remember Dr. Ruth? I mean, do you remember her? Do you remember Dr. Ruth? Dr. Ruth has a new assignment. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to catch up with the former pastor of the Gaza Baptist Church. Pastor uh, Hannah Massad is going to be back to give us an update on Gaza and how our Christian brothers and sisters are faring in the midst of an ongoing war. And then, head shoulders knees and toes knees and toes head shoulders knees and toes knees and toes eyes and ears and mouth and nose head shoulders knees and toes we're going to learn to pray for our kids from head to toe that's up next in the next hour of mornings with carmen